it would be similar to how you just maybe described possibly in theory. This is past the It's just me exercising white privilege, you know, and I just. What's up, guys? We didn't want to leave you here with nothing to feast on during the NBA Finals while we're out, so I decided to be like prime Allen Iverson and do a little ISO ball this week um, with the NBA Finals coverage. We're going to do a little bit about every game, but we're mostly going to break down everything uh, next week. We just wanted to give a quick update, have a couple thoughts to share about the the series, the future, and uh, looking forward to the offseason. Um, series is currently 3-1. Denver's taken the last two in Miami um, pretty handedly, although both games seem to have a bit different touches to them. Um, but before we get to that, we'll start at the beginning of the series. Game one happened during our last recording, so um, we pretty much covered that that game ended as a blowout in a way. Um, I do think Miami ended up coming through, uh, closing enough of the, of the gap to kind of feel like game two was a possibility. Uh, then game two did come. Um, it was a mix of, I feel like, complacency on Denver's side mixed with Miami actually hitting their shots, which thus far has been the only game that that's been true. Um, And that's a game they almost let slip away anyway at Denver. Um, So going up, or tying the series 1-1, taking home court advantage, heading into Miami. I think everyone felt like the narrative was pretty pretty ready to shift, uh, if not already shift. Um, And then Denver just pretty much put that to bed early and often in game three. Um, The game was pretty close, pretty actually fun for the first uh, half of that one, back and forth. Um, Ultimately, though, Denver didn't settle for shooting. They kept attacking the rim, kept coming. Uh, It wasn't just Nikola or Jamal. You're having all these different guys that can cut off of it. You're not really attempting to play in space with these three-point shooters. You're not trying to replicate any of the modern basketball. You're just playing simple, attack the rim, pass the ball, cut the ball, never stop moving. Um, Destroyed the paint. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it was, I think, about a 20 to 30-point paint margin difference. Um, Something Spo said after the game stuck with me where he felt like they got great chances. They didn't convert. And I feel like I agree. Um, And so that's where in the third quarter you could see the pacing just completely change. And Denver just put the throttle down. Um, Nicola and Jamal ended up being the first players to do uh, triple doubles, um, 30-point triple doubles in the NBA Finals. Uh, Maybe the playoffs too, actually, now that I think about it. That seems pretty rare air. Um, But we have um, also... um, Nicola joining LeBron and Tim Duncan in the first half is the only players to ever do 10, 10, and 5 in the first half of the game. Um, and then I think Nicola, yes, and that's the same game where Nicola has the first 30, 20, and 10. So basically a historic game for the Nuggets all around. Um, you know, maybe Miami chalks that up to playing the more talented team. It just is what it is. Um, I did think there was a pivotal point now that in hindsight feels bigger than maybe it did in the moment. Um, But Jamal Murray is um, attacking the rim on Kyle Lowry. He attacks Bam Adebayo, throws a high runner off the top. 
Like, I mean, this ball basically bounces off the very, very tip top of the um, backboard to stay legal. Um, although I think the rule did change to where you can hit the top and bounce in, but this would have been legal even back in the day. And it uh, bounces off the front iron and just soft rolls in. And all it did was just help maintain the lead towards the later minutes of the fourth quarter of that game. But it did feel like one of those moments where the Heat are doing everything, they're trying everything. Jamal Murray's played an amazing game. Nicole's played an amazing game. They still sort of have a chance to get in the game. And then Murray just kind of pulls this little trick shot out of his bag, almost like he hasn't even had to work hard in that game. Um, that's pretty demoralizing, and I feel like in retrospect, knowing how Game 4 goes, it feels like that isn't as insignificant, is not just a polishing it up at the end of the Game 3. I feel like now we're looking at that as, hey, damn, this might have been the big pivotal moment where this team evolved, not just for this title, but really for who they're going to be for the next few years. Um, <clears throat> game 4 pretty bad I would say for the heat in every way um, it was close they still did heat things like draw fouls uh, manage the game clock but there was some bad turnovers there was missed free throws there were absolutely incredible amounts of open miss shots um, that felt pretty bad I mean you can always make a case that they've played well enough in all of these games to feel like they can muster up enough strength to get back in a series. Um, but I feel like more than anything, that was them sort of humbling themselves to the, the talent of the Nuggets, the seriousness of the Nuggets. Um, and it does feel like Monday's going to wrap everything up. Um, <clears throat> I think in a way I'd like to see the Nuggets do it. And it just feels like Miami's gassed. It feels like this version of the Heat can still upgrade in the offseason. Um, but ultimately, you know, you have Nicola get a little injured in the first half of game four and then get in foul trouble in the fourth quarter. Couldn't set up a better situation for Miami to tie the series 2-2. And then Jamal Murray just finishes it. I mean, the credits out all the rest of the guys, but Bruce Brown, obviously, and Aaron Gordon had massive games. But ultimately, this is just Jamal Murray's signature game. This is, I need you to do this job, close this game out, and 12 assists, zero, or 12 assists, zero turnovers. Amazing. I think that's probably going to be one of the better assist-to-turnover games in NBA history. I know off the top, one of the wildest ones I've ever remembered, and I think it was might have been in a Western Conference, but Jason Kidd had a 14 to 2 ratio um, in one game. So that's that's rare air. Um, game one will be Monday night. I think it'll close out if it doesn't. Thursday in Miami, then Sunday in Denver. Um, I think you can talk a lot about the pivot points of the game. Um, pivot points are always the most important parts when we get to the NBA Finals. In game one, you see um, 10 minutes left in the game. Miami makes a push. Denver says, no, no, no. Puts the pedal to the metal and closes the game out. Game two, you're looking at Nicola stealing momentum to close the third quarter, and then Duncan Robinson just kind of come out of nowhere and 
bring them back into the game, allow them to control the game, and eventually close it out even though it did get um, a little close. And then in game three, you see the what I like to consider the Warriors formula, the um, the game-changing third quarters where, um, you know, I don't know if there's a lot of history on it. I'd love to look at it. Uh, I just know that it's, it became unmistakable uh, uh, once the Warriors got to the top of their game that there was this need to put the pedal to the metal coming out of the halftime that almost always resulted, I feel like, in the regular season, especially if they could pull it off in blowout wins, um, where you could just demoralize an opponent almost immediately, especially in the regular season where demoralizing an NBA team isn't the hardest thing to do. Um, but even in the finals, they would that would be the most critical point, is everyone knew how the third, qu- third quarter went is how that game was going to go. Um, not saying that everybody does it. There's mixed results, I'm sure. I just It was a signature of the Warriors, and it was the signature of Game 3 in my mind. Um, <clears throat> I thought you had a great back-and-forth game in Game 3, and then it felt like a completely different series shift coming out of that halftime. It felt like there was no more even playing field, really. It felt like Denver now sees it all. There is very little left for Miami to pull out of the bag of tricks, and it's just time to put up or shut up, and pretty much all of those guys are taking it seriously. I mean, you just don't... I guess they all are. I mean, even the rookie, Christian Brown, comes in and has a historic performance as a rookie, something that's going to buy him at least five to six years in the NBA, regardless of how it all goes from here. Um, he'll be able to eat off this for a long time. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it really does feel like at that point, again, the Jamal Murray shot kind of was that moment that maybe that Steph Curry moment, if you want to compare it to that Warriors dynasty where it's like, this thing is so great as a whole that our best players, um, kind of can really save it save the craziest stuff they have for the most pivotal moments because you have so many other people doing so much um i think you know i'm made the iso joke going into this patrick always is very anti-iso um and you can see that in this nuggets team where you know i don't think iso ball has ridden the nba as bad as it might seem because of the regular season um but I think you still see just remarkable versions of basketball when you get to this uh, constant cutting, constant motion. Like even Miami, I think, is playing a pretty game uh, despite the foul baiting. Um, it's just they don't make shots. They, they have guys that are, you know, no offense to these this Gabe Vincent's, Duncan Robinson's, Max Struess, and Caleb Martin, but, you know, these guys aren't making bigger or well, I guess Duncan is, but these guys are kind of where they are because there always is this hot and cold switch with them. There always is this, is this a real thing? Is this just a hot streak? You know, how tangible, how real is this moving forward? Are they just role players peaking at the right moment? Are these real guys to build on? It's a tough series, but again, with the Miami Heat future, um, 
they still could, you know, lose this finals and be set up in a great position next year to compete. Um, and I just won't get too much further than that. Um, my final pivot point was in game four. Um, that's where you can kind of see, you know, you're looking at Kevin Love, of all people, is, is the one trying to drag them back into the game. Um, Nicole is playing amazing. Uh, even if the foul trouble's about to get to him, it doesn't matter. Of course, I already said that Murray came through and finished that problem by himself. Um, I thought this was the moment where Nicola really um, put the gas uh, pedal to the metal. And, you know, uh, if you play 2K at all, um, you'll know that the Claymore badge is, I think, a newer one. But it's a pretty funny badge where it's essentially what Nicola does all the time, where he's just where you're just so worried about everything happening with Denver that you kind of just, it ends up happening that he just ends up standing by himself open at the top of the three point line. And he's about as deadly from that shot as I've ever seen any human in any spot in basketball. It's, it's, it's open from the front of the rim. He's almost always going to make it. And I mean, maybe you put a little pressure on him. Those numbers dip, but he's wide open. That's you, you fucked up. And it's, it's crazy how in this, playoff run especially every single time you know because you're watching this thinking all right Miami's got to do this 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 and this and then you just see it happen and it's just unmistakable and you know it kills Spostra because you know that of all the things you have to do to win leaving that man wide open is is not a good bet and it's it's even the best shooters even a curry will miss some open shots uh and and this man just sits there flat-footed does his little pop knocks him in every time uh just incredible but we'll get more into praising and burying teams when everything's official um with the guys next thursday um when we record for now um i'm still pretty behind in the dub um, I know that as I'm recording this, the Dallas Stars are having a big game. Um, I've been excited to see how they've looked. Uh, the Aces are incredible still. Liberty is showing some some growing pains, but still look like a fun team. And then there's a lot of other groups that certainly feel like they can make this a tough um, title run for either one of those um, superpowers. So um, I will get way more into the W as the offseason unrolls for the NBA. Um, I'm not much of a draft guy. Um, I love doing it, but I'm not going to kill tape and all that shit. Um, I'll let the draft happen and we'll talk about the picks that I feel are interesting. And that's kind of how we'll cover that part of the offseason uh, until we're in the dead period. For now, um, you know, enjoy your week. Hopefully this was good enough to get you through. And then uh, we'll be back with all the shenanigans uh, next week. Peace out, rockers. This is past the rock.